Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, the J10 Initiative. We're live. Full moon tonight. Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know. This is Father Mike. Father Nathan. The, um, the jazz loon is rolling. Do you have... Um, jazz wolf, I meant. This guy was telling me that around the full moon, there are more confessions. Do you see that? Is that real? Uh, are full moons always around the first of the month? No. Then I don't know. Because people usually come more at a uh, first, uh, first Saturday, first Friday. Now, I'm going to guess that's just like a, a good regular practice of confession. Right. It's like built into their schedule. But I'll, I'll start checking if it's, if it's a new moon or if it's a full moon. People say that all the time. They're like, yeah, Father, full moon. I'm like, what, what does that mean? What? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I do know that these um, cinnamon toothpicks are the best thing ever. Mm. They are tasty. I remember those from my youth, and I'm glad it's back. Father Nathan gave me one of these. Hot licks. Hot licks. Oh, delightful. It's spicy. And I liked, you know, when I was when I was a kid, I liked those red hot candies. Yeah. And also the Warheads, like the hot one. Yep. You know? The sour one? And the sour. I like the sour. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My brother used to be able to do those atomic fireballs. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. The big circle red things. I think it was just too much candy for me. It was too too hot. But I like the it was hot. Too hot for me. No, I like the hot. I picked one up the other day and I started like half of it and I was like, nope, no thank you. Yeah. It can be a little too much. All right, here's another non sequitur. The um I heard you talking on the phone and I wasn't eavesdropping or anything. But Go on. I'm always impressed because I am a terrible phone talker. Okay. I'm, it's awkward. I'm, yeah. I'm like all business, so I don't know how to like chat with somebody on the sure, phone. Sure, yeah. And then I don't know how to end a phone call. It's always like, okay, uh, well, all right. Well, I'll see you later. Okay, right. Yep. Well, bye. Yep. All right. See you later, man. Bye. Bye-bye. But, okay. Okay. I love, I love you. I love you. Bye. No, no, I don't. I don't know you. Um, bye. Yeah. So I want to so I want to follow you around and do like a mentor program. Sure. Do you do that? Like uh, summertime when I'm when I'm free, I'm not teaching, I'll come over and just follow you around and you can I, I can watch how you talk on the phone. I Is I that weird. I did learn I did learn from the best. Today um today is the 28th of January, 2021. Today, Dave Gobel officially retired from Meets Plus. Yeah, and so Dude, I have been listening. Congratulations, have, man! Yes, thank you. Shout out to Carrie Pearsall for actually getting my dad to retire. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, I sat in the car for years listening to my dad talk to people, um, and I think that it is an ingrained habit, um, and it's helpful. So it's an art. It's an art form. You got to learn. Um, actually, funny enough, um, I talked to Father Chris about this because Father Chris has the same problem. Father Chris, constant, I'm my parochial vicar, he's all business. So he calls people and he's like, hi, this is Father Chris Considine. I would like to talk to you. I would like to talk to you about this. We have talked to you about this. Goodbye. Goodbye. And I'm like... Finished. So one of the, th- one of the things that has changed my habits is um, in Rome... I was told that if you're going to go up and ask for bus tickets, you can't just be like, you know, biglietti. Yeah. You got to be like, hi, how are you? How's the day? Yeah. How's your family? Yeah. You know, what's going on? Is everything good? You know, you doing okay? Check out this weather. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Crazy, yeah. right? Exactly. What's your favorite pasta? Yeah, everything. You got to talk. And then at some point you're like, oh, yeah, I almost forgot why I'm here. I'm here for bus tickets. If you have, if you have some bus tickets, <laughs> and then they're like, "Yeah, I think I got some bus tickets," and then you're like, "All right, thanks again. Have a great day." And then you walk away. Great experience for them. Great experience for you. And Father John hated that. It's all personal, man. That's right. It's all personal. 
I like that. Yeah, I like that, but I'm not good at it. So that's, I, but I think it's learnable. Right? Yeah, it's a. It, I do great when I meet people. Like yeah, in you Rome, are very good in at Rome, that. I was fine. Yeah, like I like that stuff, but it's I can do it in person, and for some reason the, the phone just talking to the air. Or do whatever. you remember? Do you remember when that guy in Rome was like following us, trying to sell us those like spinners that they shoot up in the air, and like you have to catch it, and if you catch it, like you have to buy it. Then you know what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, and they kind of glow. Yeah, and he was like he was like talking to us, and you were like very friendly or whatever, and then at some point you were just like, we are not buying anything, and then just walked away. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, I think maybe you get used to that stuff, and then you know how to kind of work with the people. Right. I had one. Po- I had one point where I was at the Trevi Fountain, and this um, this guy came up. He was selling the baskets, or he was selling some trinkets or something. And I, I told him right away. I'm like, I'm not buying anything. I live here, you know. And and then I'm talking to him in Italian, and just like, you know, how are you doing? What's going on tonight? And everything. And then. Um, I give him like a kind of a high five handshake or whatever. And then he goes off and this American guy comes up and gets in my face and starts wanting to fight with me. And he's telling me, he's, what are you talking to that guy for? What are you, what are you running here? And I'm like, what are you talking about? He said, that guy would just, this guy, this guy was just harassing my family. And he was so mad about it and everything because <laughs> he didn't know what to do with this guy who's trying to sell stuff. Right. And they're, they're persistent. You know, yes, aggressive, aggressive on on the border of aggressive, right? But per- certainly persistent, and it really made this guy mad. Well, he he thought I was running the ring, yeah, because I was like leaning up against the wall and talking to this guy. Yeah. I I send him over there, which was just like, hey, you know, go on. <laughs> and this guy's ready to throw me in the the Trevi Fountain. He takes me over to the cop, and he's he's like, you got to explain yourself. And he's still accusing me of all this stuff. And so he's making me translate his accusations, trying to get me arrested. So, so wait a second. You're translating for this guy. Yeah, I'm translating his angry stuff to the cop. And the cop is like kind of confused, trying to figure it out and everything. Uh-huh. And then the cop, knowing that this guy doesn't speak English, is telling me, hey, look, I got to take your documents just to, to, to make this guy happy and so, we can, <laughs> so we can get rid of him. Can you tell him that I expect you to be at my office tomorrow to explain yeah. yourself or something? Right. And so I, I do. I translate for this guy, and then the cop's like, okay, I know, what, I know what's going on. Whatever. See you later. Have a nice night or whatever. Right. But I thought this guy was going to toss me. I thought he was going to fight me. Did, uh, oh, my gosh, here we go. I got to take this off. Um, did, um, did the guy know you were a priest? Oh yeah, were you a priest? I was wearing a collar, yeah. Oh my gosh! I don't think. I mean, I don't think he was Catholic or something. Maybe, maybe he didn't know what it was. That's ridiculous. But I wasn't running anything, dude. If you ever ch- take did, it easy, did he take say? It easy. Did he say where he was from? No, oh. I maybe Texas. I oh can't my gosh! Where I would have loved to screw with that guy. Oh man! I, I would have loved. To I was screw so with caught off guard. I don't. I'm not a confrontational guy. Yeah. So having somebody get in my grill was like. What is going on? Yeah. Well, you do what you can. Anyway, that's, uh, <laughs> I guess that's a Rome story. <laughs> oh, I mean, like, but that's beautiful because the cop knew exactly the personal touch that this guy needed in order to move forward, you know, with his day and, you know, him with his day. So Yeah, it was well played. I mean, he really engaged. He didn't just tell the guy, get lost or whatever. All right, well, let's... Um, Talk about. We're hoping this is recording because the 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 machine kind of blipped, and then we got a like a double echo, and it started again. I'm watching it he's move. Watching, he's watching it. Okay. Do I pause it and then come back? I don't just know. Just to check it. All right. Um, station identification. Folks, we'll be right back after these messages from Bible in a Year. We're back, and a shout out to Father. Father, Mike Schmitz, Father Mike Schmitz, who hits is the top cr- of crushing the it. iTunes podcast, he's crushing it all time. Like he beat what? all the other podcasts. He was number one on iTunes, yeah. for Bible in a Year. He still is higher than the NPR, higher than the Joe Rogan. Oh, seriously, absolute top, even more than those guys. And yeah, it was. It, it wasn't just the religion. Section. Wow, it was the very top. Yeah, he's. So I mean, we're proud of you. 
Father Mike Schmitz. This there is are a-, a ton of people from my parish listening, and it was really funny because um, uh, one of my one of my parishioners was like, "Oh, I just love Bible in a Year," and then my other friend was like, um, "You know, Father Nathan has a podcast," and she's like, "Oh, you do?" Uh-oh. And she goes, "You know, he's really jealous," and I'm like. No, I'm not. And I was like, maybe. <laughs> uh, Bible in a year. Well, I, I have to check it out. He I is guess it's crushing hot. it. I guess it's hot. Uh, he's beating out the Ben Shapiro show, NPR, uh, Stuff You Should Know, Do- Joe Rogan's 17th. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, Father Mike Schmitz. Well done, brother. Office ladies. Wow, great job. Bringing it to the people. And it's Bible. I love it. Love it. Is it good? I haven't listened to it no, yet. No, 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 no. I don't know. I oh. haven't listened to it yet. I just love the idea. Well, we should of get on it because uh, then he could get back up to number one. one. Yeah, that's right. Father Mike Schmitz, we're here. All right. Let's talk Thomas Aquinas. Feast day of Thomas Aquinas. Awesome. Happy feast. We're recording on the feast. This will be published down the line. What are you still looking at that? Yeah, he's podcast. number one. He's number one all, still o- number over, one. over all religions, religious podcasts, and he's number twelve on it with his regular show. For oh yeah, yeah. anyway. So yeah. Thomas Aquinas, let's roll. All right, Thomas Aquinas. So the dumb ox, famous uh, for his excellent theology. In fact, he is the chief doctor of the church, uh, par excellence. Chief doctor. I don't know exactly what it's... That's a great... That'll probably be the name of this podcast. Chief Doctor? Chief Doctor. He is the boss. He took and synthesized the theological tradition over the first millennium of the church's existence, compiles all the ideas of the great philosophers of the Western world and the uh, theologians, fathers of the church, into a great system of um, understanding... God and the church and the world and the human being. And he is the patron of our seminary in Denver and just about every school around. Well, he was. Was. St. Thomas. Right. Yeah. Um, Shout out to Matt Frad, Pints with Aquinas. That's right. Yep. You'll find plenty of Aquinas online and yeah. uh, for good reason. He, there's Olo a was of- a dropout from Thomas Aquinas. Blaha, proud graduate of Thomas Aquinas. That's right. College. College in Ojai. Ojai. Yeah. Great, great college. California. Shout out to, uh, Father Cornelius Buckley over there. That's right. Did you, uh, did you hear that um, Arnold Schwarzenegger said, uh, gave a public service announcement about vaccines because people were saying they didn't want to take vaccines? And he's like, come with me if you want to live. And it was like into a vaccination center. <laughs> oh, that's great. So yeah, Thomas Aquinas, he's awesome. Yeah, Thomas, he, there's debate about whether or not he was extraordinarily obese. He, uh, the rumor was that he was so big they had to cut a hole in the table for him to pull his chair up to it. Yeah. and But I think the Dominicans, he is a Dominican, <clears throat> I think the Dominicans will argue otherwise. It's kind of like a Buddha thing. Where mm. Buddha was probably because he's he, his he, he professed moderation, and in like the Southeast Asian countries, he's depicted as being very slim. Mm. And then in kind of China and then American China, uh, Chinese culture. Well, I can't speak for all of that, but in Chinese restaurants, he's that big fat Buddha. You know? Right. And I think there's there's debate on the Thomas Aquinas front. debate. All right. Did Jesus actually have a mullet, or was it just like, you know, more of a crew cut guy? I don't know. Uh, you know what I'd, I'd side for. Um, all right. So he, this, this is my favorite thing. He's a great theologian. He writes these big tomes about um, scripture commentaries and then like theological, um, just like the, the manual for um, like introduction to theology for seminaries, right? Mm-hmm the Summa Theologica, and he treats every point that you could think about of God, heaven, angels, creation, man, habits, um, everything about anthropology, that is, what what makes up a person, and um, what is goodness, 
and what is truth. All right, all of these things. My favorite thing, though, is that Thomas Aquinas was a um, a music musician. He, he was a songwriter, right? You know, and he was a man of deep prayer. And there's a lightness in his song, hmm. um, particularly the one that we use for Holy Thursday, Pange Lingua. Right, right. And um, you Which, can tell his his particular devotion to the Blessed Sacrament brings him a great deal of delight. So I think of this guy as sort of a, a brain in a body, like a calculator or something like that. Mm-hmm. Until I think of him singing and composing music in front of the Blessed yeah. Sacrament, you know, a poet. That he's actually got a heart in there. Yeah. Not just a cyborg or like data from uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. Yeah, exactly. He's, um, yeah, he's got, he's got that poetic genius. He's a genius intellectually mm-hmm. but even that part is a, a part of the intellectual genius the uh the song um so i wanted to look at the tantum ergo which are the last two verses right of the Pange lingua it's it's in there near the end mm-hmm. i'm not sure if it's the last two it could be mm-hmm. um but it's yeah sing my the- sing my tongue the savior's glory that's the Pange lingua um and then we say tantum ergo and I think that it's the last two verses of the Ponche Lingua. Okay. So, yeah, Tantum Ergo Sacramentum, this is a, a song that we sing at uh, the benediction, whenever we do Eucharistic right. Adoration, mm-hmm. right? Is it the beginning or the end? It's the, it's the one at the end for, for benediction. Right, okay. Traditionally. You don't have to sing it there, but traditionally it's sung at that point. Um, so... Um, you know, in the rite for the, uh, whatever, exposition outside of Mass or whatever it says, um, uh, it says that you can sing a Eucharistic hymn or, you know, this this one suggested Santa Mergo. Okay. Because sometimes so, I sing different hymns and some people are like, Father, you're supposed to sing the Santa Mergo. I'm like, actually, the rite says you can sing whatever, so. Well, I grew up on the Tantum. Right? You did. So this is like for... The super, English version or super, the Latin? Super Catholic nerds. Okay. Um, the Latin version. All in, right. in seminary, we always sang the Latin. Sure. Right? And to, to, I have to confess that I haven't really prayed through it. Why I didn't start doing that in seminary, yes. I, I don't know. That's right. But... I think it would be a great exercise for a Latin teacher to have his students translate the Tantum Ergo and not just using the using the uh, English version, right. but like, actually, no, this is what it's saying. Right. So be helpful. Here's a quick one. Tantum ergo sacramentum venere murcernui. Uh, so it's got the ergo because it comes in um, after a number of verses. He's writing this epic song about Jesus and mm-hmm. how amazing Jesus is. And then Jesus at the Last Supper, he institutes um, turning his body into uh, bread and the bread into his flesh and then his, um, this wine into his blood. And then he says, tantum ergo, ergo means therefore, right? Mm-hmm. So since we have such sweet a sacrament, um, let, us, let us venerate uh, bowing down, cernui. Um, et antiquum documentum novo cedat ritui. So um, uh, let's, let's let the new rites give way um, or let the old old way of life, the old practices, documentum, give way to the new rite, huh. this beautiful new rite. Um, Preste fide supplementum sensum defectui. Did mm-hmm. I skip one? Um, let faith supply where um, the senses fail, right? Um, and then he's going to go into um, to the Father and the Son, genitori genitoque, uh, comparsit et laudatio. Ah, no, no, this is at the end. Um, and he, he's going to go through all the praise and honor, virtues, blessings, and uh, to the Father and to the Son. And then the last verse is, um, and uh, the one preceding, um, let him deserve equal blessing. Talking about the Holy Spirit. Okay, so he's saying this, this sacrament of the Blessed Sacrament, the Eucharist, in this time of adoration, you're looking at the Blessed Sacrament, and he's saying, let us praise the Lord, that this evokes from a human being praise, and it evokes just seeing this host, this Blessed Sacrament, this bread in the monstrance, 
or elevated at mass, it evokes this, uh, this, this strong sense of looking at the Trinity, the whole Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And when you gaze upon the Trinity and gaze upon the sacrament, you are filled with wonder in a way that makes you want to praise and, uh, and open up into adoration of this beautiful song. And um, that's, it, it's a perfect song for adoration then, right? Yes. It's just, it's just a call to praise. It affects what it uh, signifies. Yeah. And, the, and just the sight of the Blessed Sacrament elicits this response of wonder. I think of something like you go out into the night sky and uh, when you see all the stars and you just say, wow, you know, this is amazing. Look how beautiful this is. Or you see a sunrise or a sunset and it, it just fills you with this sense of awe. And what I love about this, this praise is that I think all too often my prayer is, um, what would you call it, practical functional. You know, it's like, God, I need something. Mm -hmm. Or maybe I'm in meditation, contemplation, I'm in a holy hour, and I'm looking at myself, kind of exploring my own life, um, letting the Lord speak into my life. And those are beautiful forms of prayer. But praise just has no kind of practical end. It's so Mm. beautifully just, hey, you're amazing. And it's... There's no utility to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something that just turns into my soul um, singing a song of the beloved, just like admiring, right? And then trying as as best as we can to express those things that are almost beyond words. Like, how do you do praise properly in Latin? Or even adoration. <laughs> well, Latin, <laughs> Latin. I mean, the point is the point yeah. is the, the, that at some point it gives way, promotes something. Even the song isn't what, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just words, but um, it gives way to the, uh, that that profound sense of like I want to say something good about this God, you yeah. know, or this the sacrament in front of me, you know, that is God present to me. Yeah, Jenny Tori, Jenny Tokwe. Yeah, Lao said, "Ubilatio." Yeah, to the one who generates the one who gives birth and the one who is given birth, the father and the son. Yeah. Uh, praise and it's a Trinitarian. Jubilee. Yeah. And so all of these things, I think when I was, when I was thinking on them, I'm thinking on the, um, just the, the, the beauty and the wonder of the blessed sacrament and the way that this guy, this theologian, um, Thomas is thinking through everything in the world this huge big picture and then it's all condensed into this vision of this one host like just gazing upon that mystery is somehow bigger than his whole thought project and and also kind of brings all of those thoughts and that truth into one kind of vision one moment that is this connection this profound connection the most profound at all Mm -hmm. between human beings and god this amazing bridge that is also incredibly simple, you know, this piece of bread that has been transformed. Yeah. You know? So it's like, it's almost like you're saying that he's able to take, you know, something of, of reality and parse it out into all these different, you know, different uh, explanations questions, divisions, theologies, anthropologies, whatever. But then he's also able to go all the way back to the source and the place where he finds that source is in the Eucharist. Yeah. Like uh, ultimately like that's the 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 purest expression of of all that we're kind of pointing towards. Yeah. I mean it promotes this so you look at the blessed sacrament and it should have an effect on us, and it does have an effect on us, of saying, who are you? What is this great mystery? I want to know more. I want to know more. When you, when you love someone and you adore them, you want to know as much as you can about mm-hmm. them. And so it just fires up his mind from that moment and for every moment that he goes back to, to the fuel of adoration in front of the Blessed Sacrament. It just makes him more and more curious about the wonders of creation. I mean, at the Mass, we say the mystery of faith, you know, right after the consecration. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Here's the mystery of faith. And the mystery means there's so much to explore and so much to know. It's almost like infinite how much you could, uh, the questions you could ask and the things you could discover, the insights you could find, um, exploring this amazing horizon and terrain of God. So I think it's, it's really the, it's almost like the window you know, that breaks out, or like a prism, the light goes in and then it breaks out into all of this reality of yeah. different colors and light. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I just keep going back to, like, the reality of it. It's almost like the Big Bang. Like, if somebody can explain all of the things that happened because of the Big Bang, um, you know, division of, you know, planets, stars, uh, why Earth has certain metals in it, you know, that are found also in the sun that demonstrate, like, that you know, it used to actually be one and the same, and how do you know that, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But then also, like, if somebody can bring it all back, not just out into all of its individual parts, like geology, math, astronomy, um, whatever, medicine, but then you can actually go all the way back to, why is there something anyways? Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's where I think of the mind of, of Thomas Aquinas. It's not just that he, the dude can explain everything. That makes it sound like he's like the Catholic Google. Right. Like, he, <laughs> yeah. he actually, he, he got to the place of uh, not just why, what is everything, but who. Yeah. And not just who am I. That would be, that's a good starting point, and I think that's part of the beauty of his uh, philosophy and theology. But also, like... Who is God, and why does God matter? Which is a very necessary point that I think right now we're seeing the effects of what happened when a culture stops asking that question. Yeah, and people still want to know stuff. You know, yeah. they want to write manuals, they want to write textbooks about oh, yeah. the sciences and things like that. But you kind of run out of wonder, and I think mm. the Eucharist was what fueled this guy's. Um, absolute wonder because he wasn't looking at his own genius saying, oh, I got a project. I got to put all this together. He was looking at the genius of God in the, in the, in the Eucharist and saying, this is an entree into a huge mystery, you know? Um, and, and the genius of the sacrament itself. I mean, he's, he, he looks at the host and he says, um, the, let us praise God. Let us praise the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and um, this sort of source of everything. But it's also just like a praise in the in the middle of the song of, look what Jesus did. This we have a genius of a God. Mm-hmm. Jesus wants to bring God to human beings, wants to be present to everyone, and he comes up with this clever ingenious, amazing way of actually making himself present in a way that can be um, there throughout the world at any time in a way that any people can understand it and can receive God, can be impressed and amazed in his presence and have that same kind of um, whole like wondrous effect happen to every Catholic anywhere uh, throughout time. You know, this this effect of Jesus encountering the soul, where we just um, turn into artists, turn into poets, turn into mm-hmm. scientists. And it brings the heart and the mind alive in a way that is is unique. At least that's what Thomas is claiming. Sure. Like, look at this genius God. And I think that's what you were alluding to in the last podcast that we did, that it's like, you can look upon it, but it it is far more amplified when you can look upon these mysteries, not just it, but like these mysteries with faith. Right. Not just that like he could explain it, but somehow he was able to explain it in faith. Yeah. I mean... And he says that in the song, right? Let Let faith provide where the senses fail. Right. Like this is faith will tell us Christ is present when our human senses fail. That line got me through high school uh-huh. because for years I was like, I don't get it. I just don't get it. I don't understand it. 
Why, why do I need to have Mary in my life? Why do we need to go to Mass? Why is it that I can't do whatever I want, like morally, um, spiritually, etc.? And it was like, that line was the constant refrain for me. Um, and I just kept saying, all right, Lord, you better supply. Yeah. Because I, I, can't, I, I can't figure this out. Yeah. But it's the mystery of faith. And this is where it's, it's okay that it's elusive. And I think, you know, I have, okay, okay so I, I teach the deacons, and they're very concerned about, and I am too, I, you know, to admit, um, that a lot of Catholics don't believe in the true presence of the Eucharist. Or they, they, when you ask them, is that really God? They say, well, I don't, I'm not sure. Or I don't know that I believe that mm-hmm. or whatever. And it is, on the one hand, yes, it's very concerning because this is a, like really at the heart of our faith, source and summit of our faith is yeah. that this is Jesus, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. And he's present there for us. And that's why we can adore the Blessed Sacrament. And, um, and yet, I, you have to admit that this is a great mystery of faith. Hmm. This is something that's beyond us. And you can either take that as like, okay, I'm going to really be discouraged about that for a long time, and I have to wrestle and figure something. You're not going to figure it out. You can sit there and be amazed, and you can praise God and, um, and let that happen, because it does, and it will. You know? And then you have this, this other piece. So if we're, if we're thinking on that moment of the, the mystery of faith, the, the, the priest... Um, says the words of consecration, the Eucharist, or the bread is, trans, is transubstantiated into the body of Jesus, the wine is transubstantiated into the blood of Jesus, and then he says, um, he lifts them up, you know, for people to adore and be amazed by, and then he says, this is the mystery of faith. And it works kind of in two directions, right? It works backwards saying, okay, what just happened the consecration, transubstantiation, mm-hmm. it, which is also the incarnation, God becoming a human being, being with us in this profoundly mysterious way, a God who is beyond and has created everything can actually be part of his creation, um, the, the mystery of faith. And then it moves in the other direction of uh, the response that we give. We proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection. And I think... It's like you could freeze the moment of the elevation and just sit there forever, just wondering and be amazed and be inspired and be praising the Lord. Like, I don't have anything, I, I'm, I'm, I'm awestruck to the point where I have nothing to ask of you. I have nothing to, to, that I need. I have it, you know. I just want to praise you because mm-hmm. you're beautiful and you're awesome and amazing. And, and then... It, and then we move on so quickly to we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection. We're here. We're not in heaven yet. You know, in heaven, we'll have the time just to sit there and praise God. Like, this is amazing. and Just celebrate all the time. But now we do have a mission. And our mission is that um, Jesus has died and taken away the sins of the world. And people, we don't have to be afraid. God is conquering everything. And God is winning everything to himself. This is the, the triumph of the death of Jesus. This is what we celebrate, you know, having praised. When we look upon God himself, we're saying, okay, this is what we can understand and communicate to other people. We proclaim the death of Christ and profess his resurrection. You know, the death says Jesus has brought an end to all of the evil in the world, and he's conquering that evil, saving people. And then the, we profess the resurrection which is a, a profession that nothing is impossible with God. You look around, if you take your eyes off of this sight of, of Jesus, you, you can look around and you can be overwhelmed with how evil the world is, and how mm-hmm. messed up um, our, right. even our own lives are. And everything. Chicken littles, that's what I'm calling them. Yeah. Chicken littles. Everything's, everything's done. We're totally, we're in trouble. It's over. The church sky is, is falling. Church is over. America's over. Yeah. It's all over. And I'm like, nothing it will be impossible for God. Yeah. And it's easy to forget. You get out of church, you go out there, and yeah. I, I, ch- feel I it. challenged the people in my homily list last week. I said, think of your top three reasons why the world is terrible. Think of your top three reasons why your life is terrible. 
And then this is supposed to just totally take your mind off of that. I mean, not, that's not the only effect, but it can have that effect. What is supposed to take your the mind off? The Eucharist. Oh, yeah. You look at God, and everything changes. You don't, th- that all of that recedes into the background. Right. Recedes into, and even what you're looking at is when you see the, when you see the Blessed Sacrament, not only are you just seeing, wow, everything has meaning, everything is connected, everything is made out of the beauty of God and his mind, but also, this is, this is a reminder that we, we proclaim the death of Jesus and profess his resurrection. That all of those problems that are out there are being conquered by God. Mm-hmm. That the, and there's nothing outside. There's nothing impossible for God. That's, that's proven by the resurrection. You know? And the death means this, this absolute promise, I am winning victory over all that problem. Yeah. So don't, don't bring your mind into the problems. You look at me, if you keep your eyes on me, then you're going to be um, filled with wonder and filled with peace and hope. And everything's transformed in that little gaze and in that moment, right? Everything is illuminated. Yeah. Did you ever see that movie? Which one? Everything is illuminated. Uh, Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? Something like that. What was it? Well, I don't remember, but like, like that seems to be what you're saying. It's like, if you if you think that everything is dark, then perhaps you need to look at the Lord, and then all of a sudden, like things are gonna, things will be illuminated in a way that you didn't see possible. But it's not gonna happen in the same way, you know. Like, I I don't know, just yeah. The illumination of it's God. The illumination. All the, the dark. All the darkness disappears. But it's still hidden. It's still hidden. Everything is illuminated, and yet it's still hidden. You're looking upon, just like we said in the last podcast, you're looking upon a guy in weird vestments holding up what appears to be uh, a Ritz cracker. And it's like, what is this? What is going on? And as a priest, sometimes I'm like, is this, is this happening? You know? Like, and I'm, I'm fearful. I'm, I'm afraid at times that, like, you know, they have these Eucharistic miracles that happen because priests lack in faith. Yeah, they don't believe. Yeah, and I'm like... Or they're not I, sure. Yeah. I'm like, I would love a Eucharistic miracle. I just don't want to be the priest that's responsible for making it happen because I'm like, what is going on right now? Um, but it, it is, like, a joy knowing that the event of Christ happens regardless of my uh, perception or, like, apprehension of it, that Christ actually comes, and actually comes really quickly. I always am fascinated that the, uh, the words of consecration go really fast, and then all of a sudden it's like, Jesus, you're here. Like, whoa. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, then that's why I say, I mean, you could pause that moment. That's kind of what adoration is. You're pausing that moment of the Mass and just sitting in wonder... And um, and kind of admiring, adoring God at that true in, in that reality freeze frame. But it's like Jesus left us something, you know, so that you're not stuck with. Is this all in my imagination? When I say Jesus loves me, is that just a wishful thinking? Is mm. this, you know, if I say you know God is love and God created and God God can walk with you and be you can have a personal relationship with Jesus? Is that yeah, a, uh, an imaginary friend, you know. Um, now it's not, and it's not just g- going to church or something like that. Jesus does have this very st- strangely mysterious kind of personal walk with us, and He's left us a sign that brings us back to that reality yeah. and reminds us of that constantly. Yeah, you know, He wanted us to have this reminder, this to be able to look at Him and remember His promise. Every week, here I am, here I am, here I am. It's true. Father Gronsky used to say that <clears throat> one of the proofs of the resurrection is the bones of the fish. So it's like Jesus appears and he's like, hey, believe it's, it's really me. Like, do you have any baked fish? And then he eats the fish in front of him and then he leaves. And then it's like, did that really just happen? Like, like, did we just make that whole thing up? Like, yeah. was I having, like, a, you know, acid trip or something? And then one guy's like, 
dude, there were three fish and now there's only two. Yeah. Like, and who ate that fish? Did you there's eat that fish? On the rock. Right. So like there is, I like that because it's like, there is a facticity to Christ's incarnation. And it's not just like, well, you just need to have a personal relationship with this, with this guy. It's like, yeah, who is real and who actually was here and who really died. And even historically, people still talk about he actually rose. And then now you have this, whatever, this event of the, the mass that continues his saving work in the world. And he leaves us evidence of his presence after each mass. We don't just clean everything up and be like, all right, you know, that movie's over. We'll have another movie showing, you know, tomorrow morning at eight. It's like, nope, his presence is still in the tabernacle. Yeah, he's here. Fascinating. Yeah. So I I also want to make the point of this, um, what does he say? Let the let the old practice seed to uh, give way to these newer rites. Yeah, no voce dot ritui. Yeah, and I th- I was thinking on praying on, I, I think maybe he was talking about the law of uh, that the God had revealed to uh, the people Israel, hmm. and they had been living by these rules and by the rituals that were a shadow of the truths of the sacraments that Jesus would institute to come. But I also was thinking, well, I think for hmm. for a lot of Catholics, this might be an invitation to to just talk about how we can live our lives, our Catholic lives, according to these laws. You know, I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to do that. I'm what it means for me to Catholic to be Catholic is to do this. You know, to follow these rules. And he's kind of saying, well, let it go in the uh, in just the 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 point of adoration of this blessed sacrament, of this encounter with God. Let this be the heart of your experience that can have this effect that it does on Thomas of just this spontaneous joy and this spontaneous praise that, okay, fine, there's all these rules, but they give way to this this new rite mm. you know, that isn't just, that, that is, that's dynamic and that's an encounter between people and find that the the rules give this sort of scaffolding, but they fall away at this moment of just total freedom and free encounter with, with, uh, with Jesus. Um, this, this, yeah, this thing that makes, makes the faith come alive. And so I, I want to just take this as an opportunity and invitation from St. Thomas to remind people of the beauty of Eucharistic adoration and the profound potential it has without explaining to people, here's how it's going to fix your life. Because hmm. it doesn't matter. Go and be amazed by God. And I don't know what it will do. It's transformed my life in a million ways. I've seen it do profound things in so many lives. People who just sit before the Blessed Sacrament and ponder the Blessed Sacrament. Even just look at the Blessed Sacrament. And, uh, and the heart cracks open and the mind you know, he's filled with wonder in the presence of Jesus. That's awesome. I need to uh, come up with a homily for, I'm giving a Eucharistic adoration talk at St. Vincent de Paul in March. So I'm like, oh, I'm just going to re-listen to Father Mike's there you go. points the on adoration. Well, I mean, it's like, but what is what is the purpose of it? Why? That's what a lot of people ask. They're like, why should I do this? What's the whatever? And it's like... That's the utility question, the man. utility question, yeah. right. What am I going to get out of it? Well, How the, is this going to fix, even, fix even, my problems that, with, my, with my wife or with my, my job or right. whatever? Or what, you know? But isn't that, um, isn't that one of Thomas Aquinas' points where it's like there's the utili and the frui... Yeah. The utilization, like the use, and then the enjoyment. Yeah. And like, this is not about usage. This is about enjoyment. Yeah. Like, are you going to enjoy, and what are you there to enjoy? Because it actually, it actually, I think, 
re-educates us as to who we should be. Um, I'm very grateful for my time and focus that they began forming the habit in me that was continued in seminary and deepened, you know, through, you know, uh, my time in the priesthood and even witnessing what it's done in other people's lives of, you know, the daily Eucharistic holy hour. And uh, it's like, yeah, we're, we're asking you not to do anything. Just be with the Lord. You don't have to, you, you don't have to intercede. You don't have to petition. You don't have to sing. You don't have to work on your whatever, like your next talk. Just be with the Lord. And once you start like adopting that posture, it's like, so the Lord doesn't want me to work for him? He just wants to be with me? Yeah, like, just that's, enjoy. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, yes, it will have a deep and profound effect on humanizing you and making you um, profound and inviting, you know, making your life better. It's cathartic in a way. I say, you know, this is the mystery of faith. You're leaving the world and its darkness behind and being in the in the presence of the light. And, and it will have this sort of effect of just like... For one, for for Lent, I decided I would see the the um, or resolve to see the sunrise or the sunset every day, hmm. and it has a it, it's it's a beautiful thing to do to enjoy. It's right there, like the greatest museum, the greatest art ever, and it's right there for the taking every day, twice a day for anybody. And I don't do it, right? Like why? And I have the same thing sometimes with the Eucharist. Like I'm not, yeah, I'm not. It's not. It doesn't have that utility. That utility. I got things to do. I got work to do. Yeah. But life is better when you enjoy something and enjoy something profoundly beautiful. And this has the, the invitation from God. Come, come see my face. And it's mysterious. Fine, but come away and rest. Yeah. Whenever I went, to, we went to Florida. We went to gosh, uh, some siesta key. That's what it was called. We went to Siesta Key with the Patterson family. Um, the uh, uh, they made it a point every night to watch the sunset. Yeah, Pattersons. Like you, you were not allowed to go to dinner until you watched the sunset, or we went to dinner and then came back and watched the sunset. I can't remember, um, but it was amazing. And some days it was like, oh, that wasn't you know that yeah, wasn't so. as amazing. Like as as good as it has, and then there were some days that it was like that was incredible. Um, so, yeah, I I, I would agree. Like there and are that'll there happen are, in prayer too. That's what I'm saying. There yeah. are moments in adoration where you're like, ah, oh, you know, I, I think that was helpful. You know, like as uh, Father Chris calls it, some meals are just uh, food units. You know, you have some food units, and then you go on and do something else. And some days it's like that was an amazing amazing meal. Yeah. And similar with prayer where it's like that's exactly what I needed. You know. So and all from a yeah, all from a piece of bread. That's the genius of God. Yeah. All right, shouts out humility. Yeah, I'm trying to think who was the first person that uh drew me into adoration. Um uh one of them I just, you know, uh, an unsung hero. Uh, in my, you know, priestly life is a lady by the name of Lorraine Howard, Lorraine Schollmeyer. Uh Old lady, when I met her, she was old, and that was like 30 years ago. Um, and uh, she does, she's the captain uh, for Eucharistic Adoration, um, you know, recruiting people to come and pray, like, on specific days. And uh, she would just always encourage people to do adoration. And, uh, yeah, I just really respect her for, you know, inviting me to begin doing that. And then the other one was Father O'Shea. Father O'Shea, my my pastor, who I owe a great uh, debt of gratitude for, he would expose the Blessed Sacrament for about 15 minutes um, after Stations of the Cross. And it was always one of those things was like, oh, man, like we got to stay longer. We're done, man. Like, fish fry. get out of here. You know, but it was like, it was super chill and it was just long enough that you could start to get into prayer and, uh, just short enough that you weren't like fidgeting, 
you know? Yeah. So I owe them a lot for uh, introducing me to Eucharistic Adoration. And Father Michael Walsh, he brought uh, Perpetual wow. Adoration no to St. Thomas More. And it changed everything in high Joan school. Joan of Arc guy. To... Was he? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he, I, I don't know why, but he just, that was an important devotion and it transformed the parish. And it was a beautiful experience for my parents. I know they each had a, a, an hour of adoration each week at different times. And I would go in there when I was, you know, just wanting to see the Lord or be in prayer and profound effect. All right. Other shout outs. I want to shout out Lauren Simmons, who whose birthday is today. Shares this great day. Wait, Dan Simmons? Thomas Aquinas. Not Dan Simmons. Lauren Simmons is uh, one of my sister's best friends. Grew up across the street with uh, her brother is Little Billy, who was my ski buddy and uh, street hockey uh, pal. Right. And um, and she's a wonderful young lady who um, is one of these kind of bright, shiny people, always happy, and uh, in spite of a lot of a lot of stuff. So, um, happy birthday, Lauren. Uh, I talked to Marsha earlier, and she reminded me to give you a shout-out. Also, Father Hector Chiaparreal. Villarreal. He was telling me the, the best story about wonder over kimono dragons at the zoo and how he is... He shared his fascination with the, with the kimono dragons with me. Okay. And I was so... I don't know, delighted by his excitement over these animals and how much he loves learning about them and watching them grow and stuff. But it's just, uh, it was a great witness, and I loved it. Keep it up, brother. The kimono dragon. Father Hector, the kimono dragon. Yeah. All right. Um, I got one more. uh, To Taylor, to Taylor Wilderum? Wildrum? Yeah, Wildrum. Taylor Wildrum? So I got a friend, his name's Brian. Uh, he lives out uh, near Ojai uh, in Thomas Aquinas land, uh, California. And uh, he, like, this guy Taylor listens to the podcast, and uh, they don't believe that, like, I know Brian. It's just like, oh, yeah, like, it's not really part of his life. It's like, no, Brian was actually probably the closest thing I came to encountering uh, Thomas Aquinas for a number of years because he was, like, uh, helping me with philosophy and uh, helping me grow, and so, anyways, um, sometimes we mention him on the podcast, and they're like, "Yeah, they almost they kind of talk about you, but like you don't actually know him, right?" It's like, "Yeah, I know." Oh, you so, know Brian? I know Brian. So Taylor is his friend, so he's a big time listener. So uh, I'm trying to get uh, out there at some point so that I can actually, you know, be like, "Yeah, I'm Brian's friend." Prove so, it. Anyways, we're buds. So to the Hurt Locker uh, and to uh, Taylor, thanks for listening. Right on. All right. God bless you, everybody. Have a great full moon. Ow.